0: Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Here we are continuing the free series, and it's way more than a, a series. It's an anthem for our community this year. It's an anthem for us to be free in all ways. Our vision is It's all about the one, that I am the one for the one. And as I play this out of reaching people and accomplishing amazing things for God, it's not more about what I do. It's who I am becoming and who I am in the process. And we want to enter 2020 dreaming big and seeing clearly. And so as a church, we've committed to slow down and get healthy And as you get healthy, stuff comes out of you. We've been dealing with some tough topics and things that we're personally going through and relationships that are challenged. And the game we're playing is the me versus me. I just got to be the best me. And that team is we versus we. That this is the best team on planet Earth. Why? Because it's the team we're on. What a horrible way to live to see someone else's team and see someone else's life and be like, oh, I just wish that I... No, we have the greatest team ever. Me and you, we get to do this together. That'll change our life. A healthy me leads to healthy everything. And the equation that we've laid out is proximity plus frequency equals intimacy with God and each other. That as I meet... With the body of Christ, often it leads to intimacy with God and each other. And as I meet with God and his word and studying and connecting, it leads to great intimacy with him. God's trying to work with us. He wants to be in relationship with us. And that's what we get to do as a community as well. And today is a kickoff of four weeks under the free series to touch on a tough subject. It can get kind of funny. I'm talking about dollar dollar bills, y'all. It gets really funny when we're talking about money because we've been tainted. And I wanna invite us into an adventure to deconstruct and unlearn and construct and learn. What does God say? How much of the American dream is God's dream? How much of my dream is God's dream? How does God see money? And what's interesting is from a biblical perspective, meaning God's word, that's one story of 66 books that all points to Jesus. God wants to teach and train his people because he wants to set us spiritually free, but he wants us to to live practically free as well. And so as we let him be God, when we let the Bible be read with a highlighter, not a permanent marker, like, ooh, I don't like that verse. He must not really mean. God doesn't. And we come to the table as little children, and we say, God, teach me. I want to unlearn something. I want to relearn. I want to see how you view money, because you talk about money a lot. Why do you talk about money a lot? Why? Because it's tied to our heart. There is um, this video that kind of kicks us off and it's from the band Pink Floyd and also from the rap group Wu-Tang Clan. Check it out. genres, but the message is the same. Money! Get your hand off my stack. (laughs) Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Is that true? I think for many of us, though, it is ruling us. It is leading us. It's because we know we need it, but do we need it? And then how do we need it? How do we use it And the question comes down to, is money ruling us or are we ruling money? Are we using it or is it using us? And God has something to say about this in Matthew 6. He says, for where your treasure is, verse 21, there your heart will be also. There is a lie that can't happen in the body of Christ that we can't talk about money. And there's a lie in the body of Christ that how we talk about money, that God wants us to get rich. God's completely fine with us having a lot of resources, but what he's more interested in is, do the resources have us, or are we using the resources that he's given us because he owns everything for his glory? God's not interested in wanting money from us, but he's wanting something for us to be a part of his nature, his quality, how he operates, how he thinks. Martin Luther has a quote that says, there's three conversions of a person that needs to experience the conversion of the head, conversion of the heart, and the conversion of the pocketbook. (laughs) We got to talk about money. The early church talked about money it was the last time we sat down with somebody and said, hey, man, how are you doing with money? Is it driving your decisions? Whoa, man, hey. Why are you asking me about that? You want something from me? And I can understand why we would dismiss a lot of this. We've been hurt, right? So at City Life, we want to invite you in these next four weeks to challenge you on this journey to unlearn in me as well. We're inviting you in the way i described it to the dream team this morning if i said hey come on i, I got this room we're going to talk about money and if you came in this room with me and you come in and it's super messy it's a workshop there's tools everywhere there's saws there's sawdust you're like whoa how are we going to talk about this you're not even done completing it where's the finished product when's the project done and i would say oh no we need to be practitioners. This is a workspace right now. We're working through some things. We're learning. We're unlearning. We're having to re-measure, recut some things before we can even finalize. And in fact, we might demo some pieces that we thought were beautiful, but they weren't because we were led astray. And so today, no matter where we're at on the spectrum, God wants to define wealth. He wants to define resources. He wants to define worth. We created a giving guide. Um, It's in your app, in the City Life app. You can download that in the app store, City Life Lansing, for free. And the giving guide is 10 pages of some commonly questions or common asked questions and resources for each one of us. And here is the, the high challenge for each one of us. As I've been going through this material, it has been wrecking me. I'm like, wow, this is way deeper than I thought. I thought I was good. Like, I've been giving and I'm generous. He's like, no, I want to talk to you about this a lot. How you give, how you spend, what you're thinking about, because it's a string. It's where your heart is. And sometimes your heart is too tied up in the little green goddess. Starbucks. <laughs> the logo. You love those refreshers too much. You should be thinking about the kingdom. And just by sitting in the back of Financial Peace University last week in the class um, that some of us signed up for, and there's about 38 people in the class, and they're taking it, and if you, you can't take it or couldn't take it, it's all good because you'll be learning a lot of it throughout this month. But just sitting in the back of the class, it was just so good to be encouraged, just hear about, mm, money's not mine, it's God's. Ah, oh, there's principles, there's rhythms. And just because I might have the head information, I might need it to transform to my heart and then, and then play out into my pocketbook and let my convictions drive uh, my, my spending decisions. And in this guide, you'll see some scriptures that help give us a picture. You'll see an introduction. I'd encourage you to read it. It'll take about six hours throughout this month. But in these six hours, I think it can transform a lifetime and lifetimes to come. Six hours can transform a lifetime and lifetimes to come. They don't teach money in school that much. The world teaches us how to spend it, teaches us how to be in debt. Some of the questions we answer is um, in the next page here, what is a tithe? What is an offering? Will I get rich when I give? Why would God want my money? And as it continues, do I have to tithe? The short answer is no. No. Jesus bought our freedom from the law and we're not under any curse. That might be new to some people, but we describe it. We give both sides of the story. You'll see 18 links at the end. I want to give and invest in the kingdom, but where do I start? We believe uh, flowing through Jesus's mission first is, is, is how he would long for that to look in the bride, his girl, his family, Ecclesia, also known as a church, not a building, but a people. And as it continues, you'll see, why would I give to City Life? Hopefully there's an educated that decision here. You don't have to give. We say you get to give. And what does that look like and how can each person empower differently that God's not so much as interested in the mount that counts as he's interested in our heart position as how we do it. As we look at the, the wealthy people who gave in the offering, it was nothing compared to what the, the widow gave. And Jesus said, look at her. She gave in faith. She gave all she had. Not because she had to, because she longed to, to have faith in me and to make me the Lord of this transaction, if you will, to declare that God is more important than any of my resources. How do I start giving? Should I record my giving? These are questions that a lot of us have. In the next page, there's additional resources for giving. There's so many different links and articles of theologians and scholars and videos and stories. And again, these six hours can revolutionize a lifetime. In the app, under the grow tab, and you can get that PDF right there. So today, we put a flag in the ground for freedom, a freedom over money, a freedom to say we're free to give. We are free to give. That we're gonna exercise a wealth mindset. A wealth mindset has nothing to do with possessions first. Has everything to do with how I view God and how I believe God views me. If I'm an heir, if I'm a child, if I'm a king's kid, whoo, don't let us lack or feel like we don't have some. Because money, it only magnifies who we are. It's a, we many times think, well, when I get more money, I'm going to start exercising what it means to be generous. Ah. Look, if we got more, it's going to be hard to give then if it wasn't easy to give when you had nothing. There's this video, uh, hopefully we'll get to play, of David Carr. He's the quarterback for the Oakland Raiders. At the time, he signed the largest contract of any quarterback in NFL history. And they go, what are you going to do with your money? He goes, I'm first going to tithe. They're like, what? He goes, I was doing it uh, when I had nothing in college, and now if I can't do it, When I got this much, then look. But if I couldn't do it then, I wouldn't be able to do it now. And I don't think the conversation is even about the tithe. I think the conversation is greater about who's over our money and what do we do first with it. The tithe, that's that's, that's entry-level stuff. That's not even, we're not not under that. In fact, now we're we're entering extreme generosity, (laughs) radical giving, where Jesus says, hey, if you want to follow me, lose everything. Yeah, but you'll gain everything. But you want to hold on to stuff, you'll lose everything. Who is ruling us as followers of Jesus, the American dream or God's dream? So here we are, 2 Corinthians. This would be the prayer for each one of us by the end of these four weeks, and it'll be a journey. God will meet each one of us different stages, okay? Um, That's what's so neat about Jesus. It's not a comparison. It's a beautiful relationship and a walk and a process and a journey, and like an investment graph, he... He's more interested about how we finish than than some of the dips. It's like, where did we finish? Where did we finish? The point is, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he or she has decided in their heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So the natural question would be, if God loves cheerful givers, how do I become a cheerful giver? Because I don't feel too cheerful when I'm check to check, and I hear the preacher talking about money, I don't feel too cheerful now. And so I would say, hey, the preacher isn't talking about money today. The preacher is getting preached to by God talking about money today. Because God's word is priceless, and it's freeing, and it's beautiful, and it transforms us. And the image I get is uh, to be a cheerful giver. Some of us might, I love the illustration she kind of gave with the hands open. And cheerful giving, even if we believe our hands could be open, um, I still I still believe there's kind of this image that God's prying our fingers back. He's like, Yeah, he's like, I just want you to open it. I just want you to open it. It's like, no, it's mine, you know. My neck, get your hand off my stack. And it's like, no. And we're just like, I work for it, I work for it. And he's just pulling it back. He's like, Oh my goodness, why are these fingers so and he just and he finally gets them open? And he's like, Okay, he's like, I can do something like this. I can work with hands like this. I can't work like this. You fight me when you fight like that. He's like, I want to work with you. And, and it's like the Apollo where in New York where um, and you come out and you, and you, and you got up-and-coming artists and up-and-coming comedians and performers, and if you're good, you get booed. I mean, if you're good, you get cheered, and if you're bad, you get booed. And I'm thinking about today is when we're cheerful givers, we're cheering when we think about money, but when we're not is when we have a, a distorted view of money, a tainted view of money, we boo, like boo, boo. And today, I don't want us to boo. I think God wants to uh, free us. And some of my journey plays out into this. Uh, when I first came to Christ, I relate to the pain of of being in debt and being called by collections. And, man, collections people, anyone remember, you don't have to ask a show of hands, but if you get called by collections people, whoa, they make you feel like you are the worst person on the planet. Oh, so you don't, so, so you don't plan to pay? So you're not a good person? They, they just crush you, crush you. They're trained to. So they want to guilt you in. As I came to Christ, I had $10,000 in debt. I had a 450 credit score. One of the things I wrote down when I, uh, in a wife equality is I want a wife that had at least a 700 credit score. And uh, so when I met my wife, she had an 04 Pontiac Grand Am GT with only 100 miles on it. And I was like, man, how did this girl get this? She must be wealthy or whatever. Well, little did I know she was in an inner city home down one of the most marginalized uh, streets in Lansing on the east side over by Walsh Park. And she was in this little tiny home. She just out of high school, had a good job, good credit, and was so excited to buy this car and pay for it with our own money, which eventually we ended up selling because we knew we needed to downsize in order to steward. And, and then years later, uh, I, I was able to pay off. I, I mean, I was, by the grace of God, was able to pay off all the debt that we had. And um, and then today, the only debt we have is our, our mortgage. And, and so the point is, you gotta start somewhere and let God teach you. And, 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 and throughout the journey, we've even had debt when we've taken risks and, and there's seasons of, of crazy calculations, there's seasons of faith, and, and, but there's principles that are timeless that will help each one of us on the journey and that's the point. The point today isn't to talk more about who's out of debt or who's going to get money. The point is then to look at first the heart. And I want to apologize before we start. I want to say sorry for every person that has hurt or warped our view of money. But zoom us out and zoom us in. So if someone makes over $10,000 a year in their household, they're the richest 1% of the world, roughly. Okay, so whoa, all right. But at the same time, I don't think God's always saying, hey, I want you to compare yourself to a third world country right now. I think he's saying, hey, how are we in our own region? So we could feel the pressure of feeling what it's like to be poor here right now, but you could be poor and be righteous and you could be rich and be wicked, but you could be rich and be righteous and you could be poor and be wicked. So the money conversation is not the greatest conversation, it's the heart, it's the trust, it's where we're at today. and So we're looking at the heart today. That's where we're starting with money. It's forget the external, let's go right to the eternal. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. You guys still with me? Come on. You still with me? Everyone's like, okay, come on, don't check out on this one. There we go, yeah. Yeah, somebody. First Timothy 6, 10. For the love of money, one of the most abused passages in all of Scripture, that money is the root to all kinds of evil. Money is not evil. Come on, we can make it rain in the body of Christ. For the right things, it's the love of money is a root to all kinds of evil. Other translations say it is a root to all evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. That's a big warning, that if we love money, we might wander away from Jesus, the one who can eternally set us free, the one who has bought my freedom, the one who found me when I was a sinner and no one cared, but he cared to give his best, that I could wander from my savior, just from the love of money. Many have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So part one today would be free to give. My heart is free from the love of money. But how? The first question I think each one of us could ask is, do I love money? Let's not assume if we don't have money or if we have a lot, that that is a indicator of whether or not we love money. Loving money only comes from us examining our heart before the ultimate God of the universe. Is he over our possessions? And we get the answer to that question of how We can discern if we love money. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. The craving is how we get to determine if we love money. If we crave or desire somebody that has super nice things and we don't feel complete, that means when I pull up at the gym or something and I see that Tesla. Wow. Wow. Those are amazing seats. The paint is awesome. I watched an interview about Elon Musk and he says it's an investment because in in it is technology that they can upload and it's an appreciating asset, this Tesla. But as I desire that Tesla, if I'm not healthily putting in check, now I'm caught in a web of the love of money. The King James puts it, to covet, to want something that's not yours. I think we can all relate to that, right? For the love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. Check this clip out from Lord of the Rings. It's about Thorin as they're trying to get back their treasure of their people and how the treasure eventually warps their mind and they turn even on their own team. computer's frozen. Um, Let me describe the clip. They got this huge wealth. I mean, riches everywhere. If you've seen the movie, I mean, there's gold everywhere. And as uh, Thorin, who's the rightful king, as he's in it, he had all these noble intentions that he was going to use the money for the people, use the money for restoring order. And um, it was going to be awesome. And then eventually, though, he starts getting paranoid and turns on his own team and then he says, no one will take one coin, not even one. And it's such a powerful illustration of what it, what it means when you get close to money. Because do we have healthy checks and balances in our life of people that sit down and say, hey, is money ruling that? Or is Jesus ruling that conversation or that decision? Well, how dare, because we would ask because even in our culture, the American dream is those that have money are normally in power. But just because they're in power doesn't mean they're the wisest person to make the decision. And what's neat about the body of Christ is righteousness knows no checks and balances in our bank account. It's a game changer in our heart. First Timothy 6, a few verses before the famous one of the love of money, it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Verse 6. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. What is the antidote? What is the liberate, liberating theme in truth? To not fall prey to the victim of money, it's contentment. It means, hey, I, I brought nothing into this world. <laughs> I can't take anything out of it. I want to be content. For if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. This is how Paul is writing to a Christian leader, Timothy, and he's saying, hey, I want you to lead the people and remind them that if they got food, if they got clothes, that they're super content and they have enough. What? When's the last time you sat down with somebody talking dreams, talking money, and even the body of Christ, like, hey, yo, let's be content today. Let's be content, bro. Like, let's just rest in what God's given us. A lot of times we're buying the lie of get rich quick. And it's masked with, well, you know, Jesus is, wants us to, 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 to steward what we have. Absolutely. But if we're going to read the whole thing, sometimes he tells us to give away everything we have, too. He also tells us that to uh, every paycheck, to put some away and to give to those in need and, and to provide and give. And so there's, there's tension throughout the story of Christianity oh, what's this? There's a lot of tech things going on. My computer is playing a video. Ridiculous. I'll say this. I believe in the spiritual realm so strong that I think Satan doesn't want you to get free in this area. Because we learn in Matthew 6... Then no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So the natural question would be, well, how do we play out money? What do we do? We need to work for it. Yes, absolutely. Can we pause that conversation for a second? That's ruling most of our conversations. Can we then just get back to the essence, the core, the foundation of what Christianity is, a death burial and resurrection, a losing of self, to gain riches of heaven, to gain Jesus, to gain the beauty that all things will be made new one day, to lose our lives for the sake of Christ, to pick up our cross and deny ourselves and our own interests, not because we have to, but because we recognize how awesome he is. Because that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We love because he first loved us. It's like, oh, you love me. I want to love someone else. You gave to me. You've given me this job. How am I to ever think that it's my hand on my stack? It's all yours. So today we say, man, I want to serve God. I don't want to serve money. I want to serve God. And I can feel the tension because many of us, we, we're, we're geared, and we're wired business-wise, which is beautiful. By all means, man, go get money. Use it for the kingdom of God. In 1 Timothy 6, t- uh, Paul reminds Timothy of what to tell leaders um, and those that are in the flock, what to do with their money, to charge them to be generous, to charge them to do good things, to, to be rich in, in providing resources for the kingdom of heaven. But, but here's the point, though, that, that Timothy is, is getting reminded, though, that he has an authority to remind remind us of what heaven's agenda is we don't own anything and that we could go around and and not be kind of feel less than if you don't have enough you don't have enough and look we'll never have enough and we're not have to apologize if we have a lot The, the, the point is that god is the one who's providing and that we're content where he has us on the journey and we're also challenged where he wants to take us so how do we steward? Then now we're asking, how do I be radical in my generosity? Because he has given to me. So just a few moments we have here left. Uh, before we have Get Connected, if anybody wants to hear the story of City Life or be a part of the team or ask questions, please stay after service. We got food, we got childcare, um, and we'd love for you to be a part of that. But there's five things I'd like to download in us today as we continue this conversation. Number one, love Jesus first and last. I trust God. Love him first, love him last. I trust God. Because when we're doing our budgets, God, I love you first, I love you last, I trust you. Because I know that I can't serve both God and money and you're over it. And I, you remind me to be my, that you're my daily bread. Give me my daily bread provision, daily. Oh, it's, it's frustrating sometimes because you, you want to live so in the future. You want to provide. You want to figure out security. And God's always calling us to a place of faith. Anybody ever wonder that? You ever tried to, 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 to figure out your whole future, but then God keeps you in this place of faith? He's just giving you daily bread. That's throughout all the scriptures. You'll see God providing for them for a season or even for a day. And you'll see kings and those in leadership preparing And and that's an amazing thing to prepare. But but sometimes when we're preparing, what we're doing is trying to gain security and play the role of God. We want to build a storehouse to protect when any storms happen. But then God's also saying, hey, when storms happen, remember there's storms happening all across the world. So you're connected all the time. The local church is connected to the global church. So So when Sri Lanka is bombed, we're bombed we got to think about that, carry that tension. Do we send resources there? Like, yo, this is not entry level. This is not. So we can't solve this. This is a workshop. This is a space. Number two, God is with me and I'm filthy rich. Maybe you don't feel filthy rich. I hope you leave this place and you know that you're dripping. 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 you dripping. You're Dripping. A term it's like you know your jewels and your swag and you're dripping, you're dripping with the wealth, not the wealth of this world, the wealth of heaven. You're filthy rich. Hebrews 13:5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. Tell your money that next time. You look at your budget. Man, God is with me, and I'm filthy rich. I'm filthy rich, like filthy rich. So contentment is how we play this out. Proverbs 13, 11, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gains little by little will increase it. Little by little. God's the shepherd of our life. He's the coach of our life. He doesn't want some big highlight just for a moment. He wants to be with us through the process. The exception is somebody who gains wealth instantly, but the majority is people that have gained wealth through principles over a lifetime, and generational lifetime. Now, I've gotten the privilege, worship team, if you guys would come up front, and um, I've gotten the privilege of getting to see up close some very wealthy settings and very wealthy people, and That's amazing. And I don't ever feel less than if I don't have enough money. In fact, I feel sometimes I feel like I'm driving the conversation because God has charged me to be in that moment. Other times I just sit and listen and learn, but the privilege i found is i found that wealthy people in Christ, done right, they are some of the most generous, amazing, godly people ever. So have a wealth mindset. You can't see people with resources and be like, man, they must not get it. Yo, they ain't woke. They ain't bout me down here. I don't know. They could drive that Tesla, but the point is, am I supposed to drive that Tesla? David Platt has a book, Radical, uh, Turning Upside Down, The American Dream, and it will it just will wreck your world. So be very careful of anything that anytime the world says, get rich quick, be very, very cautious of it. Number three, the call of the kingdom is greater than the call of from any earthly kings. The call of the kingdom is greater than any call from earthly kings. So when the kingdom calls, with orders from the king, it's more important than the promotion that could be potentially from a boss on earth. Now I want to share the story. Before we planted this church, we found out we weren't going to get income from our missionary position anymore, which sounds good. Sounds good. Had a funding drop, and we didn't know uh, they couldn't continue to pay us, and that was completely fine. We had to be out in faith. Well, the church hadn't started yet, so wait, we're going to jump into the unknown, and we don't have any security. And I don't tell you the story because I'm a hero. I tell you the story because this was super hard. This is only by the grace of God. But I got a text the next day after we found out we weren't going to get paid anymore and before we believed in, uh, or before this church was a realization. And here's what the text said. It says, JV, I know you're deeply passionate about your mission in the church. However, if, you play something, that'd be sweet. However, if, um, it'll just set the mood, right? I know you're deeply passionate about your mission in the church. However, if I were to say I have an opportunity that guarantees you a minimum of 100 grand and up to 180 per year, would you? And it only require you from 8 to 5 p.m. daily and not holidays and weekends, what would you say? And then on the phone call later, he was like, "The person in the seats making 250 as well. And I remember being like, oh, like that's cool. I could give my salary for years. I could just invest in many people. God, this would be stupid. Why would I ever choose that? Now, for some of us, we're supposed to choose the call of business. We're supposed to choose the call of being a doctor. We're supposed to choose the call of being out there in the marketplace. That's the majority of us. But for me, I knew that I already said yes to the king and he said to plant city life. And so here, Crystal and I were praying. We're thinking, yo, we're insane. And I text him back. I was like, uh, Look, anything I do in life, I pray about it as you know, so let's do lunch. Either you need to plan a church with me or I need to listen to what you have to say. <laughs> Look, we got a relationship to this day. You can see how the story played out. God has been doing amazing things in city life and we can't make our decisions based upon an earthly call on a worldly, on a worldly position. Could the position be bad? Absolutely not. Could it be for you? Maybe. How will you know? You've got to spend time with God. So you can't come on just a Sunday. And you, if we just ask, he'll, he'll, he'll provide. He will answer us. Number four, Jesus is rich enough to handle our gap. And he's our leader in a new wealthy mindset. So that gap that I felt that I couldn't provide and I didn't know how, he, he's rich enough to handle that gap. And he's my leader in a new wealthy mindset. That even as I'm working, I'm working unto the Father. That God, it's all yours. Because we look to Jesus as our leader. 2 Corinthians shows us that, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor, so you might, that you by his poverty might become rich. Now this verse has been tainted and distorted to mean always monetary possessions. God's a good father, he'll take care of us. But the greatest blessing takes place on who he's making us become. So number five, we pursue now a new view of success. That's what we're doing. So we're buckling up our seatbelt. We're gonna go out there on this adventure. We're getting our tools, we're getting our stuff. We're coming in the workspace. God. Change me, make me a healthy me. I want to relearn money. I want to uh, learn some things. I want to see what it means to be a child of God. And Paul tells Timothy what that looks like. As we pick up the passage for the love of money, we're going right back there. Here's the words just after it. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness. Godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, in which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment Stained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality. That means he who lives forever, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Satan would. Satan hates for us to get a hold of this. If we start defining success as love, righteousness, godliness, faith, gentleness, as fighting the good fight of faith, oh, wow. And here's our prayer. This would be my prayer, okay? Proverbs 30, verse 8. I heard Francis Chan once say that this was his prayer. I thought it was crazy. He goes, no one ever prays about this. They're always praying for the promotion. But God's word also says this. And it says in Proverbs 30, verse 8, it says, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? And lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. So if I'm rich, God, I might forget you. If I'm poor, I might blame you. I might blaspheme your name. I might be so mad at complaining all the day. Sometimes when we're in our struggle, you know who we're really complaining? God. God, it's as if the boat is is going back and forth, back and forth. And finally you get up into the captain's seat you thought there was no one there and it's God. He looks back and he's like, ha ha. You're like, what, it's you the whole time? Yeah, yeah. I was trying to teach you something through the pain, teach you something through the lack, teach you something in the principles because you always thought if if we got there to the promised land, that that was the promised land. But I was with you. That is filthy rich. You're missing the process, yo. And that's the beauty, friends. That's where we're at. So if you're here and you're like, okay, I'm convicted. I don't want the love of money. I want to serve God only. I want to pray for you today. Uh, If that's you, would you stand? I'm convicted, so I'm standing. God, you see your people today. richest news that ever took place is the good news that when we were dead in sin you gave your life for us god i pray for people here today that they're like ah man i need that new life i need to give up my old life i need to turn from my sin and turn to the lord i pray today that they'll believe that you are the son of god they'll confess with their mouth and say jesus take my life make me brand new That's the richest moment we will ever experience. And secondly, for your people that are experiencing the battle of the love of money and the roots to all kinds of evil that it provides, how it warps our mind and how it leads to wickedness and greed and idolatry and looking at people like projects as instead of, as how can we help and be in this journey together? And what does that look like to steward I pray for us that you'll remove that burden. You'll remove that love and you'll fill it with contentment. You'll fill it with godliness. You'll fill it with righteousness. You'll fill it with love. You'll fill it with steadfastness. You'll fill it with gentleness. You'll fill it with a mindset that says, God, you are king and I am filthy rich in you all the time. You'll fill it with identity and confidence that we walk as king's kids, that even though we might not have the car or the house we want, that we're on the journey, that you'll take care of us and you know how to give us good gifts. So we trust you first, we trust you last. God, we wanna pursue a new definition of success today. Freedom for your people, that we are free over money. Money doesn't rule us, we rule it. We won't be used by money. God, that we will use money for the advancement of your kingdom, for your story. Your glory, for you are good. We pray this in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, "Amen." Come on, keep good. keep good. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city, one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.